0: All right. Well, today's sermon, we're doing the lectionary uh, still. So uh, I'm doing one, I'm like a little one week behind the lectionary because uh, last week I thought it was necessary to talk about what's happening in our country and what's a Christian response look like and all that. But I want to come back to the lectionary today, and I'm, we'll do the reading in a minute. It's from Mark chapter one, but I want to share a story first to try to maybe set the stage. So I have a, a very good friend. We'll call him John uh, for the purposes of the story. And John has a teenage son, um, a junior in high school, who is amazing. His son is a wonderful young man, Uh, gets wonderful grades, is in AP classes, plays sports, is actually in the marching band, and is very gifted musically. By any measurement, a good human being, kind and thoughtful, good at school, right, But just the other day, John found his son in the kitchen. He like came down in the middle of the night and found him in tears. And as he began to try to talk to his son, who, you know, teenagers don't really love sharing these kinds of things like, let me expose my soul to you, dad, right? What he was able to gather, though, is that he is basically dealing with panic attacks, feelings of deep anxiety and stress, feelings like, he's not gonna he's not enough he can't do it he's going to fail and so John as a parent as any parent right is like he doesn't understand like where would all these feelings come from like what evidence do you have that you're gonna fail or that you are a failure or that you're not good enough like all of the evidence of your life is that things are are good for you and that you're amazing and I want like As a dad, all he wants is for him to know you are amazing, right? Like you, you are the love of my life. But his son has a hard time feeling that. And of course, John, being the thoughtful person that he is, as he goes to sleep, he thinks, that's interesting because I have all the same thoughts and feelings as my son. I wonder where he might get it from, right? Like, oh, it's because I have no evidence for all of the deep insecurities I feel, and the shame I feel, and yet they're real. As a parent to a son, who I've, I the way I describe it is, I feel like he has a hole at the bottom of his bucket. That like whatever love or grace or success that gets poured in, he's not full. He's somewhat convinced, but not fully convinced. It's like it drips out, and his bucket slowly empties. And, like, all I want to be able to do is, like, say no, no, no. Like, you, I want you to know to your core, to your soul, to your bones, that, like, you're loved, you're amazing, you're awesome. But for many of us, not all of us, but for many, it's so hard to believe that deeply. Like, I can tell myself, yes, uh, I think I am a good professor. But when I leave the class, I don't feel like one. I can in my head, I'll say, like, yes, like, Kelly loves me. But sometimes it's hard to feel it, to like let, let that love like really penetrate or wash over me. So I would consider this to be like an epidemic, right, for human nature. It's like an epidemic of knowing consciously I'm loved and not feeling it, knowing that I'm enough but not feeling it. That what is real for me a lot of times is like deep insecurity or guilt. Or just the nagging sense that I'm getting things wrong. And so, John, as a dad, is, is experiencing that, but then he recognizes it in himself. It's easier to see it in his son, harder in himself, right? I recognize it in my son. I have a harder time so I'm seeing it when it happens in me. Like, what, what would it be like to, to reverse some of that? Like, how can we begin the process of, of reversing that? And being able to really like receive the gifts of love and grace that God extends, that other people extend, that our families extend. And letting that form the foundation for all of the service or love or care we show others. Like, What would it be like to come from a place of stability, of my cup being full, rather than my service or my love or the things I do for others coming from a place of trying to prove to myself that I'm good? I'm good enough. I'm worthy of love, right? Rather than it stemming from a place of guilt or shame, it would stem from a place of like, my cup is full to overflowing. And I think there's a difference there. I think there's a difference when I love, when I serve, when I extend grace, when I, when I do the work God asks of me. When I do that from a place of my cup being full, it looks different than when I do it from a place of I'm trying to prove something to myself or other people. When I'm trying to prove it, it feels like an obligation. It tires me out. It drains me. When I do it from a place of I'm full, it doesn't. It feels like a gift. It feels like a calling. It feels like what God intended for me all along. And I've experienced both. I've experienced it both ways, right? But I think the first step is not, what does God want me to do? I think the first step is like, I am loved. I'm a child of God. My cup should be full so that it can overflow. So that's the step. So I want to read Mark chapter 1, because this isn't just what I'm telling you. This is, these are, this is the word of Scripture, right? The word of God. Mark chapter 1, verse 4 to 11. And so John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness, preaching a baptism of repentance, and that your sins are forgiven. The whole Judean countryside, you need to hear these words right now, the whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem, a large crowd went out to John confessing sins, being baptized by him in the Jordan River and receiving the grace of God. John wore clothes made of camel's hair and a leather belt around his waist and he ate locusts and honey, gross. And this was his message. After me comes one more powerful than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to wash. I baptize you with water, but He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. At that time, with the crowds all around, Jesus from Nazareth shows up to be baptized by John in the Jordan. Just as Jesus was coming up out of the water, after being baptized, He saw heaven being torn open and the Spirit descending on Him like a dove, And a voice came from heaven, a voice from God saying, You are my son, whom I love, with you I am well pleased. You are my son, whom I love, with whom I am well pleased. That's Mark chapter 1. Not chapter 20. God doesn't say this to Jesus after he fed 5,000, walked on water, healed the leper, went to the cross. God says it before Jesus does any of that. God says, I love you. In you I am well pleased before Jesus does one miraculous thing. It's chapter 1. God wants Jesus to know, right? You are loved just as you are. Exactly as you are. Nothing you could do could make me love you more. And God wants me to hear that and you to hear that. Before you do one thing, you are loved. In you, God is well pleased. You are a child of God. And I can say those words and I can know them to be true and then I just don't feel them. So then... I end up acting from a place of brokenness, even though like somehow cognitively I know better, but emotionally I don't. So I want you to hear the words God speaks to Jesus before he does anything. And and by the way, my theology, right, the way I understand this, Jesus, at this point, his ministry hasn't started right, Jesus has the freedom, and Jesus is human, right? Fully human, fully divine. If Jesus is... Human and free, Jesus can go off the rails. I think Jesus is free to do just about anything that humans do, right? Like God takes a risk in giving Jesus free will and a human nature, right? So God, before Jesus is Jesus that we know, is already communicating unconditional love and grace. And it's that full bucket. It's that place in Jesus that is so filled with God's love that allows him to love selflessly, to not make it about Jesus, to not make it about himself, right? To not be about insecurity or pride or obligation or guilt. Jesus' cup is so filled that it can overflow to everyone he touches. He can have a sense of peace in living into the purpose that God has set for him. That's the start. That's the beginning. That's where we have to come from. That's that's the first step for all of us is to fill the bucket of love and grace, to know who we are deeply, and to know for all of our faults and flaws and limitations, we're children of God. Nothing we could do could make God love us more. Can can, Can we get to that place, right? Here's the problem. For me, I don't know about you. When I think about it, and I say, If I really internalized the belief that nothing I could do could make God love me more, then I just wouldn't get out of bed in the morning, right? Do you ever get, like, if I wasn't motivated by a sense of, like, guilt or anxiety or trepidation or, like, what would people think of me? I feel like I'd just watch Netflix all day. Like, why would I ever get up? You know what I mean? Like, I would end up just falling apart what holds me together, what keeps me showing up is like I want people to think well of me and I want to make sure that I'm not falling apart and like I... So I have this narrative. I'm not always conscious of it in the back of my head. Like if I accepted God's unconditional love and grace, I would do nothing. And I think it's the exact opposite. I think that if I internalized the deep love of God, the deep love of others that this congregation has for me, that my wife has for me, that my friends have for me, if I could feel it to the full, that I would, I couldn't help but get up, move, act, live, love, because I would want it to overflow. But it would not come from a place of shame or guilt or obligation. It would come from a place of like, this is the life. I can't help but lead. Now that I feel this so deeply, I've got to share it with other people. I've got to spread the word. But that service, that life looks a lot different when it comes from a place of overflowing rather than a place of emptiness. So how do we get there? Like what Okay, Joe, thank you. Uh, I would love to deeply feel the love of other people and the love of God, but I don't know how. I'm not an expert in this. I, I, don't, I wish I could have like just a very, this like step one, step two, step three, and it's done. I don't have that, but I, I do think we have some handrails. So if you're like me and this is a struggle, let's just start with something really practical like how do I show unconditional love to my children? Right? So like, as a parent, I have this love for my children, right? How do I show it to them? So one is, I speak a particular way to them. Like, I speak words of kindness to my children. And I speak words of love to them. And when I get things wrong, which I do, I try to say I'm sorry to them. What if we did the crazy thing and began doing that for ourselves? Like we spoke kindly to ourselves. And when my internal monologue becomes harsh, I correct myself. If I offered words of love and acceptance to Joe, right? And in part, I do this because this, these are the words God speaks to me. How dare I thwart the words and the feelings God has for me? So I have to begin thinking. Talk to myself the way I would want to talk to my own children. The way I know God's talking to me as His child. Two, what if you began to deeply care for yourself? Not out of guilt or shame, not so that you had a beach body, but like you just listened to what your body needed so that sleeping and eating and taking long warm baths or walks along the river, getting out in nature, exercising the legs, that you did it because you loved yourself. You you deeply care about yourself. You know you're worthy of such things, right? The epidemic in our culture is like, I'm not enough, I feel deep shame, so I turn to drugs or alcohol or pornography or Facebook or politics or anger. And I try to fill the bucket that's that's slowly leaking out with all kinds of horrible things. But what if we stopped and we said, I deserve to be cared for deeply. I should be in counseling because that's where I hear my truest self speak into the world, right? We have the courage to love, speak well of ourselves. What if we began to Draw boundaries and didn't feel guilty about it. Didn't feel like that was selfish, right? Like, to deeply love Joe Bankard is to have to say no to certain things, so that I can say yes to others. What if we give ourselves permission? Because you know who I give permission to do that to, my kids? I speak well of them. I love them. I say, what do you need? How, what can we do to equip so that you're a success, so that you feel like you're, you're doing what you love in the world, right? I tell them all the time, you don't have to hug anybody you don't want to. Draw boundaries. You don't have to let people talk to you like that. You can draw boundaries. But then for myself, I have no boundary because any boundary I draw is like, but Joe, they need you. They, the, you could always give more or do more or be more or stretch more. Right? But then, do you know what happens to my bucket? The hole at the bottom gets a lot bigger. Now it's out of obligation. And now it's out of guilt. And now it's out of pride so that people think well of me. Now it's out of like, I need, to sick, I need to save these people and fix it for them. But none of that is from a full place of like, I am loved just as I am and nothing I do could make God love me anymore. That's where I want my service to come from. That's where I want my call to come from. The the last thing I'll say, these are things you can do for yourself, but I really believe connecting to God, finding ways that you connect to God where you really experience God's love. Is it through music? Is it through For me, like meditation, silence, and prayer. Is it through reading books and things about Scripture or God? Is it about, is it reading Scripture itself? Is it through fasting? Is it through small group? Is it, how do you encounter God's love? Put more of that in your life. That's how you care for yourself. That's how you love yourself. Put more stuff in your life that fill you up and don't tear you down. I pray That we can begin to believe at the core of who we are more and more that we are loved just as we are and that God's grace is unconditional. That we can recognize the truth of the story of the prodigal son that no matter how far we've strayed or where we are at or what we have done, God is literally like a father waiting, longing for us to return and just receive that love, that, that, that open arm, right? The last thing I will say as we close. This is, um, I think this is also part of the package, part of the, the, the truth we're, we, we, we need to hear is right after God, literally the next verse after God, it says, Jesus, poor carpenter from Nazareth in the middle of nowhere who's done nothing in you I'm well pleased. I love you. You're my child, right? Right after that, the next verse is, And at once, the Holy Spirit called Jesus out into the desert for 40 days. I don't, I don't want to hear that. <laughs> step one. Figure out how to receive that love deeply because before you do that, you can't ever move on to step two. But the moment your bucket is full, God is going to give you the gift of calling you into the desert into service, into overflowing for others, into a world that needs it, right? But we come from the place of stability and love and confidence, not from the place of emptiness, pride, brokenness, and guilt, right? So let's do the work of loving ourselves, of receiving God's love, so that we can be called into the desert and love one another. Amen? Let's pray. Lord, thank you for the truths you speak. Thank you for the love you give. Thank you that you come to take away all of our shame. Every limitation we have, all the places in us that we know are not up to snuff. You say you love us. You say, Joe, you're enough. You say you're my child. Help that to get into the very fiber of who we are, to our very DNA so that we can be overflowing into the world. We love you so much, Lord. Help us to receive the love you give. Amen. If you would uh, join us for our closing song, which again I think is right in line with this, this idea of hearing... The voice of God. What? What? The, the thing that God needs us to hear first and foremost. Um, and so uh, I love this song. Are you you good to you good to play it? Man, yeah, we'll see. Okay. <laughs> Pastor Joe's been he's been going hard today. <laughs> so, thank you.